and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us. Today's topic is about mikvah. And this is a mitzvah that I hold very dear to my heart, something that has transformed my life and my marriage and my relationship with being a Jewish woman. And I'm excited to share this podcast with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. And I hope you hear something that talks to you. And if you want to further the conversation about mikvah or about any of the topics that we share on this platform, feel free to reach out, be in touch, and I'm happy to hear your thoughts, your ideas, your questions, and keep this conversation going. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Well, good morning, good afternoon over there in Florida, where our guest Diana is coming to us. I'm just getting up over here. I got my coffee with me, and I'm sure women and guests are coming from all over the world to join us for this great conversation that we're about to have. So hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ayana. Hi, Eve. I'm going to do a short introduction, but there's so much to say about this incredible friend of mine, Ayana Raim, coming from Florida. Ayana, more than just a friend, she is a professional executive and business coach whose clients include corporate and executive businesses, owners, and really people throughout the world at this point, right? All over the U.S. and worldwide. And Ayana has been doing this for over 20 years. And she really expects results, like results-oriented, driven approach. And that's what makes you such a popular transformational coach. I guess it doesn't do you too bad that you got your training at Harvard, you know, your MBA at Harvard. But Ayana is more than that, more than your professional career that you've been doing for 20 years, I would say your gift to the world, in my opinion, is your passion for the Jewish world Mm -hmm. and what you have been bringing in the last many years to many organizations, including Momentum and NCSY and local organizations throughout Miami. And really throughout, you've been traveling more recently to other places and speaking and sharing your passion. So I think that's what we connected on originally when we met. And it's such an honor to have you here. Thank you. Eve, it's such an honor to know you too. If, you know, my path and my involvement in the Jewish community has led me to meet you. And honestly, I consider you now a very good friend, but I'm really so pleased that you asked me to be here and that you're involving me in your involvement in the Jewish community, because that is so nice and inspirational of you. Thank you. Thank you. So mutual. So we are here today, sponsored by My Gift of Mikvah, which is this incredible organization. If you haven't heard of it, you can look it up online. They have amazing resources. They're always putting out programs and content into the world to support women to feel empowered. So this program, this series, this is actually the second week of a series that we're doing on empowered Jewish women. It's called M, like M, Powered. Okay, I'm Powered. And there's no one that I could think of that is a more empowered woman than you, Ayanna. And you spend your life empowering other people. So I'd love to just jump in and hear about your journey, your journey towards this rich Jewish life that you have right now, 
And then after you share a bit of the beginnings of your journey, I'd like to go a little deeper with your permission. Sure. Awesome. Open book. So I was born and bred in Miami and there is a large Jewish population here. Although when I grew up, I was not part of any of that. And my journey is somewhat, I don't know if it's unusual, but it's definitely meaningful to me. And the way it started was that I actually, if I went to a Jewish day school until I was in sixth grade, I went to Hebrew Academy of Miami where my kids go now, but I probably went there for all the wrong reasons in a way, because I don't know, in my home, really our religion was education. So you mentioned, you gave some of my credentials and I appreciate that. Although that is really just very, a small part of who I am. Although growing up, that was very important to my parents. And I guess I can't blame them because they grew up very poor and really education was their ticket out. And so they really instilled that in us, but that was what was paramount. And so my sister, who's um, several years older than I am, and also lives in Portland, actually, she was in public school. And one day, I think a flyer came home about some sort of meeting and the flyer was all full of like grammar errors. And my parents like freaked out. They're like, what are we paying you? This is crazy. We need a better education than this. So they decided to put me into a private school, which was the Hebrew Academy. And really the choice was only because my parents both worked and the Hebrew Academy had this extensive bus system and they were able to come to my neighborhood, which was far away from any Jewish neighborhood that anyone who's ever been to Miami knows about. And they enrolled me in that school. And the school gave me something, some kind of ruach, some kind of feeling that like 30 years later would lead me on a road to Judaism. Just planting seeds. Yeah. You know, they did something really well, which was even though I didn't do the rituals and I wasn't following a lot of a Torah lifestyle, they gave me something that really was meaningful to me. And so when I was challenged many years later, when I was a mother, I kind of thought about that. I remembered my roots in many ways. You know, I also have to give credit to my mom. I mean, even though she wasn't ritualistically involved, she lit the Shabbos candles. Then we all went out. Like that was it. She lit the candles, she said the blessing and that was it. But she was always like, thank God or appreciate what you have. Thank God. God's watching. So it was always something in my home, but nothing concrete, you know? So may I tell you the story of how I actually became Torah observant, if you will? So again, it was many years after the Academy. I lived a pretty secular life. We went to temple once or twice a year for the high holidays. But um, my daughter, who was in kindergarten at the time, I got a call from her teacher. And the teacher said, you know, your daughter, she's disrupting the class. Every five minutes, she's raising her hand and she wants to go to the bathroom. And I let her go and she comes back and she sits down and she gets comfortable and she raises her hand again. And she's like, can I go to the bathroom? And, you know, my first thought was like, okay, this is my first kid. You're the teacher. You handle it. I'm kind of like going to be like benign neglect. I'm just going to, you know what you're doing. And that didn't work. So like a week later, she called me. She's like, no, you really need to take her to see someone. And I was pretty sure she meant like I needed to take her to some sort of mental health specialist, like a therapist. But my mom, who is a pediatrician, she's 91 years old at the time. And really, you know, again, the spiritual came from her, even though none of the rituals were there, you know, but the spiritual did come from her. And I considered a blessing that she put me in the Hebrew Academy for whatever reason, because what happened in this story was, it's really an emotional story. So my mom was a pediatrician said, no, don't take her to therapist, take her to the pediatrician. Let's see what's going on. Took her to the pediatrician and she took a routine, you know, urine test. And the doctor came out and told me that they're like, we have something to tell you, your daughter, there's sugar in her urine and your daughter has juvenile diabetes. 
was like, what? I couldn't even fathom it. And I was struck with terror. And my mom was a pediatrician knew exactly what that meant. You know, my story is really one of like, just pure, like in some ways, faith. I just closed my eyes at that moment. And again, I hadn't been connected to Judaism in a very long time, decades. And I closed my eyes and I just said, God, you know, if you somehow make this okay, I promise you that tonight I will go home and I will throw out all of my non-kosher meat. And so what happened was we stayed there for hours and we took other urine tests and then we took blood tests and we took retook tests. And at the end of the day, the last definitive test was that it actually was a false positive and that she didn't have diabetes. I still get the chills. My daughter's 23. I still get the chills. It's so many years later, but I went home and I kept my promise and I gave my, my non-kosher meat away. You know, then I had to tell my husband, I sat him down and I said, I made a little deal with God. And he's an engineer and he's very logical. So he thought, okay, well, that makes sense because had she had diabetes, we would have had to change our entire diet anyway. So, okay, I guess that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I just started to see more meaning in the things I did. I was, my antenna was up for like these moments. And then it was really a process and it was a long process. And the mikvah was probably the longest part of that process, I have to say. Okay, we're going to get there in one minute. I'm just loving, loving this story. Also, knowing you as a friend and watching you through COVID, how you were praying for your mom to be safe at 91 years old and how you care for her so well. It just really warms my heart to hear what a big part of your life she is. So she's really given you like this foundation, this beautiful foundation, and you have so much gratitude towards her. And I'm going to make a plug, even though she's not working or anything, but my mom is not just a doctor. My mom is a lawyer. She's a pilot. She has her mortgage broker's license. And I guess that's what I, when I look at my mom, I'm so grateful for is not just that she gave me like, you can be anything, talk about empowered women. My mom was one of four women in her medical school class, but honestly, She gave me that, but she also let me know that it wasn't just my doing. You know, there was something else. There was something else you had to pray for because she knew how lucky she was in many ways. It just wasn't very explicit, but it was there. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful that she gave me both of those things, you know, the secular, you can do it and something spiritual that pulled me all along. Wow. As moms, that's a lesson for us to take home and to really Think about what are we giving to our children? We give them everything. There's nothing we wouldn't do for our children. And yet we have to make sure that they're also getting not only their physical needs and the best day camps, but they're getting something deeper than that, that will carry them for decades. Maybe even after the parents are no longer there, there's something that we need to pass on. This message, this fire, whatever it is. And another thing I'm seeing in your story is the hands of God. We say hashkacha pratit, HP, higher power, call it what you want. But just the fact that you happened to go to that school and those seeds were planted and that was your go-to. Your go-to yeah. was, God, I'm in a crisis right now. I need you. And everything that had to lead up to that moment, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't clear right then and there, it became clear in hindsight. And who knows? Who knew that that's what it was brewing? Like, I didn't really pay much attention in day school. I wasn't really the best student in the Judaic classes, but something was there. And that was my first go-to. And thank God, you know. Beautiful, beautiful. The strength of the soul, the neshama. So let's move into the next topic, which is really mikvah. You know, being that we're speaking on this forum of my gift of mikvah, and this is a topic that I love speaking about. It's something that I'm very passionate about. It's a mitzvah that I feel is so empowering for a woman. 
to know herself, to give herself the space, the time, the self-care, you know, there's just the ebb and flow of her body. It's all according to her way. The woman is trusted and respected and just upheld in Judaism. And sometimes people don't think that that's so. And you have to kind of like see it for yourself to understand like, wow, you mean my word is binding. If I say I am pure, I have come home from the mikvah, like that's all she needs to say. No woman needs to prove anything. We just need to be, and it's just between us and our creator. So tell me how it was for you, because this is something that many women are so wary of. They're afraid to tip their toes into the mikvah, so to speak, because it's just like the stigma. Some people think it's archaic. Do people actually do this nowadays? It's like, it's the modern world. So how was it for you coming from your world, your background, and embracing this enormous mitzvah? You described it so beautifully, and now I can see the beauty in it. But at the time, I didn't think any of that. And I have to be really honest. This was a mitzvah that came to me very late in my Jewish journey. So it probably was five years after I had decided, you know, that incident with my daughter, I became kosher. And then after that, I became Shomer Shabbat. It was probably five years after that where I considered going to the mikvah because I really thought, well, this is a little crazy. Like it is archaic. And I had this mindset that in some way, Judaism thought menstruation was dirty and that women were second class. And then of course, I thought the mikvah itself was probably gross and unclean. And I just really wasn't ready. I kept thinking if I ever were to tell my friends about this, like they would think I was crazy. Like you, Ayanna, like you're so educated and you're so liberated and you're so, you know, why would you, it's crazy. So I was pregnant actually with my fourth girl. She's 14 now. And I had a friend who was Orthodox and unlike those other friends that I had imagined what they might say to me, this friend really knew what to say to me. And I'd mentioned to her that someone had said to me that it's never too late to go to the mikvah, you know, like the benefits and the beauty that you accrue is retroactive to all of your children, even before that. And here I was like, I don't know, eight months pregnant. I was huge. And I thought that was really interesting. And I mentioned that to her and she said, well, why don't you try it? I said, no, I'm still not there. Really, Caroline, I'm still not there. And she dared me. She said, you know, Anna, you're like, you try to take on so much and you're such a risk taker. And, you know, you're always like pushing the envelope and like, what are you so afraid of? Like, I dare you to go to the mikvah is what she said. I dare you to go. I've never heard of that before. (laughs) She really knew the buttons to push, you know, and that's a good friend, right? Somebody who knows you and who wants the best for you. And she wanted me to experience this beauty. And Mm -hmm. so I did. What do I have to tell you? I went 45 minutes away from my home, okay? I wanted to make sure that no one saw me, that it was safe. I was still very aware. So I went 45 minutes away and it was incredible. You know, I really, like I went on a dare, but I kept going because of what it gave to me. And what did it give to you? In some ways, it connected me to the past, mm-hmm. right? So I was aware that I was engaging in something that women have like risked their lives to do for centuries, you know, under terrible circumstances. And so in some ways it connected to me that that path that I thought was like archaic and silly, which was really meaningful. And then of course it connected me to like the future of my family. And, you know, I really felt like I was doing something proactively to elevate something that until that time for me was just, you know, was physical. It's what human beings do, you know, and I really loved it. 
I mean, there were lots of things I loved about it then because really my relationship with the mikvah has been like all over the place. So it went from a dare, I was really not into it. Then I started going and I was into it. I don't know, it just was everything. That's what it has given me or it did give me certainly in the beginning. It's so beautiful. And I love how you described feeling connected to women of the past, being that it's an all-woman experience, like the attendants, the women, the volunteers, like these holy women that are there to guide you there in that space. There is something so feminine about the whole experience, and it really does bring you back. I remember speaking to my grandmother, who recently passed away just over a year ago, but in the later years of her life, I wanted to ask so many questions. Like, Bobby, tell me everything. Because I felt like she was just this connection. She was like this bridge to another world. And I remember asking her, Bubby, did your mother go to the mikvah? And she looked at me and she said, of course. Like she said, like, we never talked about it. She was a young girl, right? She was a a teenager the last time she saw her mother. But she said she remembered her mother would go out at night and she would come home and her hair was dripping wet under her scarf. And it was just known. It was a kind of like the secret handshake of women. Like, it's just yeah. like, we don't talk about everything, but now we have to talk about it. We can't be quiet about I the beauty agree. that we have. I have four girls. And I think that they need to know that our faith is so empowering to women. I always say to my kids, like, yeah, like Judaism is sort of up in our business, but like in a good way, you know? So like, in the same way that, you know, our kids say brachat on food to elevate the food, physical relations in our faith is also meant to be elevated. And we can talk about that too. And I think that, you know, there's this taboo, but not in our faith. You right. know, it's not something to be hidden. It's something to be understood. It's something to be right. valued. It's something to be grateful for. It's something that we want to keep alive because Hashem knows, right, in his infinite wisdom that like anything can become boring. and usual. And, you know, and to explain that, I think to our girls, I think is so important. And even to our boys, like, I just think it's really important that they know that, you know, we don't shun things that are hard to talk about. And we're not embarrassed by the physical. We understand it's part of our lives and we want to elevate it and we want to make it meaningful. It's not embarrassing, you know? So true. And in Judaism, the bedroom is considered the holy of holies. This relationship, this intimate relationship, there's nothing holier. So we embrace that. And I think at this point in our you know, Jewish trajectory, we need to talk about it. And it's been hush-hush for decades and for centuries. And it's interesting having this mikvah-empowered series that's on Facebook Live. It's this like very sensitive, you know, back and public, right? It's like, who should we bring on? How can we talk about it without talking about it? How can we put this forward in a way that's positive and empowering to women without I don't know, maybe over speaking about it. I reached out to another friend that has an incredible mikvah story, just like you have. And just like last week, we had Sophia Tamarkin. Anyways, I'm making calls. I'm saying like, I personally know so many women that have incredible stories. I myself have been a mikvah attendant for so many years. So I'm reaching out saying, would you want to be live with us and help empower women and share your story? Maybe other people will be inspired and give it a try. And most women don't feel able, ready. They're just not willing to share their story. And I totally get it. So I just want to thank you for being brave and talking about this because it needs to be spoken about right now. Because it's beautiful. And if not, we leave this void where people feel the way I felt. Like, this is just weird. What's wrong with 
you know, my period and it's none of that. I mean, what is more empowering than like, I think you mentioned this at the beginning, Eve, like in the way we call the shots, like everything is according to our biological rhythm. And, you know, our husband is supposed to, you know, make us happy spiritually and physically. And you it's know, in the ketubah. In the ketubah, absolutely. <laughs> the marriage contract. And the fact that like, you know, you mentioned like you come home and there's the silent handshake that, you know, okay. There's also the two weeks where like, it's off limits. You know, like this time is mine. This time is for me. Also, you know, what I, what I used to like about the mikvah, and I say used to because now I have not gone for a while because it's been a year, right? Just because of my biological rhythms. And I miss it so much. But part of what I liked was that not only did I have those two weeks of my own, right? But at the end of those two weeks, I gave myself this beautiful pampering, you know, spa treatment. And then, you know, my husband was, you know, he was home and there was, you know, in the best days, it was wine and cheese, or he'd put the kids to sleep, or he had done the dishes. Like, and even the time before the mikvah, he had to like, we had to connect in other ways. What I'm saying is, how empowering is that? Like, Hashem knows us, you know, and he knows sometimes what's better for us than we know from ourselves. And funny enough, you know, those same friends that were like, Diana, like you, like, you know, when they have had issues and people come to me, as I'm sure people come to you and are good friends, that's what they do. I have told them this little secret that Judaism has, you know, that helps us in the bedroom and helps us keep our marriages fresh and alive. And it's not always easy. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. It's not always easy to make mikvah meaningful. I think that onus is on us, but the tenets of Judaism is that, you know, this is mikvah. It's empowering. Well, Ayanna, I love how you said that in the beginning, it wasn't so simple. It was a bit of a challenge and it sounded like there were some ups and downs in that journey. Yes. And now that you're on this other side, that you're not going on a regular basis, I feel this longing for it in your voice. Yeah. And it's like everything, right? You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And my encouragement is like, you hear about everything, just please live in the moment and be grateful for what you have. But so in the beginning, I told you it was kind of like, this is crazy. Then I really embraced it. And I remember I embraced it such to the point where I remember I was in some sort of class and someone who had been doing this for many years said, how do I bring meaning to the mikvah? Like, to me, it's just a pain. And I thought, oh my gosh, but it's so beautiful and it's so meaningful and I dunk and I'm connected and it's my whole body. And it's, there's only one other mitzvah that you do with your whole body that's sitting in the sukkah. So I'm so grateful. And then, you know, reality sets in. My husband traveled 75% of the time. He was gone a lot, which made mikvah and me very complicated. I made an excuse to my kids where I was going. There was a time where it became really, I would say, onerous. I think it's true of everything and mitzvot in general is that there's meaning there, but you have to mine for it. You know, you have to get at it. And so I will tell you that the last time I went to the mikvah, I had to work for it. And I think that was a beautiful send off to now how much I appreciate it. The last time I went to the mikvah, Eve, was February. So the month after the all of COVID began. And in Florida, like we were really nervous, like I don't want to go to the mikvah. So I happened to live on a canal with a natural body of water. And I didn't go to the mikvah. I called my rabbi. I'm not going to the ocean. We're supposed to be in quarantine. That's not even sending the right message. So I made sure he asked me all these questions about the body of water. And that's where I went at 2 a.m. So none of my neighbors could see me. I went into this body of water. And it was just nice because my last time was really something I had to work at. I had to make it meaningful. I had to, you know, it wasn't just so easy. And it reminded me of like 
just how great it is. And I do, I miss it now, but I'm really grateful it was in my life. Wow, Ayana, that's beautiful. You really see like what you put in, you get out. You'll get so much from the experience. So I feel like you really milked it. You'll yeah. always have these beautiful stories and these beautiful experiences and this connection. And it probably did incredible things for you in your life. And maybe as time goes on, you'll be able to glean more of how powerful the experience was for your spirituality, your connection to your husband, your children. You're now able to pass this on to your four daughters. Like what a gift that is. Indeed. And I would also just mention that like, it's never too late. You know, when I was pregnant, it wasn't too late and it's never too late, you know? And so I think that's another tenet of Judaism that I really hold dear is that there's always time for a new beginning. And in this way, we get to have that every month. What could be better, you know? So I love that about the mix as well. So amazing. Well, thank you so, so much. This was such a great conversation. I don't want it to end, but I'm sure people need to get back to their work and their lives right now. And this was a nice taste. If anyone wants to find you, where can we find you? You have a website, I'm sure. I do. It's Iana Rain Coaching. And yeah, please reach out. And again, I love to share my story because I know there are other people who struggle with things as well. And I think with Amuna and community, we can accomplish so much. So thank you for having me. I think that's what this series is really all about. Just kind of holding up a mirror for women and say like, maybe you could see yourself in this mirror. And I'm sure people could find themselves in your story and in your strength. And maybe they're not feeling so strong, but now they want to kind of find the courage and it sounds like your mikvah journey in particular, especially your last dunk, yeah. that took a lot of courage, like to go in your backyard. backyard. <laughs> Amazing. What a grand finale. And I'm hoping that you'll go many more times in your life. Maybe not for family purity, maybe not for taharat mishpacha, but maybe, you know, around Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, yeah, very well-known custom that women will go for that, you know, just once a year. I know that I take many women here just to kind of spiritually prepare themselves for the high holidays. And it's always so incredible to watch. I love watching how when women come in to the mikveh, it looks sometimes like they're holding the world on their shoulders. And then by the time they leave, after you know an hour of pampering and immersing and prayers and all that, they just actually transform before my very eyes. They literally, like mm. their posture, they look three inches taller when they're walking out of that mikveh, like yeah. ready to just embrace whatever is lying ahead of them. Thank you, yeah. Eve. Thank you Incredible. for all you do. You're amazing. You really are. Thank you. Thank you, Ayana. Thank you, Eve. It was great. Have Thank a you. great day. Bye. Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great, inspired day.